welcome to a Tuesday, January 2nd edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Horace, and I will be going solo today to take on a six-game slate that is going to be gracing us this Tuesday evening. Hope everyone had a wonderful new year and has had a good time with their families as we jump right into what should be a very interesting bunch of games to be able to look into over here. Now, as always, you want to get yourself onto the Sports Ethos DFS Pass to give yourself the best insight in the business when it comes to your daily lineups, your props, as well as a bunch of other amazing content that you'll only get on SportsEthos.com as well as our Discord channel where you'll get to ask the pros all the way up until lineup lock just exactly how is the best way to be able to attack such a slate as this. <clears throat> and jump in right into it with six games that we have here there are a couple of ways that we are looking to uh, be able to jump into how it is that we tackle a slate like this but for me uh, taking a look at some of the kind of opportunities that we are seeing over here there's really a lot of mid-tier talent and at the bottom end of that kind of expensive side of things where things are a little more kind of enticing for me as far as upside is concerned Speaking of upside, though, we're going to start with the point guard side of things, and we're going to start with a uh, mid-tier option over here who has been, you know, without doubt, a bit uh, up and down as far as this season has concerned, but it's about uh, where his minutes are starting to uh, trend back towards some semblance of normalcy, and that's Josh Giddy. Now, for a guy who is obviously coming into this season with a, a lot of hype and a lot of uh, work to be able to build off on after a pretty successful season last year, he's been not only a bit kind of up and down as far as his minutes total is concerned, but it really just comes down to the fact that his shot has really not been falling to the level of consistency that we'd be hoping for a guy that really isn't as much of an outside shooter, but he's able to get inside the rim at a, a pretty regular clip. So given that the last couple of games for him have been more positive on that end is definitely the way that we want to start seeing this trend. You know, over the last uh, two games now, he's gotten to double-digit field goal attempts, has been between 28 and 36 DK points in that time. And what is also a little bit heartening is the fact that he was able to hit a bunch of three-point shots in his last game as well. Obviously, an area that continues to be one of work for him, and it's probably one of the reasons why he is seeing his minutes total cut a little bit, just because he is very little of a threat from out there. So <clears throat> if you can start to make that a bigger part of his game, you'll start to see his minutes be closer to that 20 27 to 30 that we've been seeing you know three out of the last four games and really getting him to a spot where he can start to really get his uh, stat line stuffed across the board we know he's a really good rebounder for a guard his assists total are always going to be between six to seven if he can play anywhere between that uh, 27 to 29 minute mark and in a matchup here against the Boston Celtics, which is undoubtedly going to be one of the tougher ones for OKC, but being at home uh, should be able to keep it pretty close all the way through. And with as far as totals are concerned, it is slated to be the highest scoring game of the night with a 240 total. So he is going to be one of the areas that I am looking at early on. Looking at the other side of it, really all the way up to the top end, what we are hoping to see in the new year is Steph Curry get himself back to the kind of form that Golden State's going to need if they really are going to be making any sort of a real push in the season. With his price tag now falling to below 9000 for really only the second time this season, 
there really has to be a point where he starts to turn this around. And a lot of it really just comes down to how badly he's been shooting heading into the new year. From Christmas game onwards, he hasn't had a single game in which he shot greater than 36% from the field. And that includes two absolute stinkers where he shot up 7 of 21 and 9 of 25 in that time. So he'll definitely be looking to turn that around against a Orlando Magic team, which is very much a guard-based, guard-friendly on that end. So it should be a lot of usage coming through from Steph Curry. A lot of the offense is going to be coming from that end. And I expect that we're hoping to get some uh, turnaround as far as his recent performances are concerned. We obviously know what kind of upside he ends up having whenever he has one of those good shooting nights. And we're assuming that... Against a team like Orlando, he'll get that opportunity to be able to get himself back on the mark. And given how pesky Orlando is, especially in uh, in games where they are coming up against teams that are at at or above their level, what we have seen is that Orlando is able to keep games going close all the way to the end, usually giving a good minutes totals for the stars on either side. So looking forward to that as far as Curry is concerned. Moving on to the uh, shooting guard side of things, though. I think there are a, a couple of ways that you can go about doing this, and I think there are a couple of opportunities in which we could start to see some uh, potential big game performances here. I'm going to start in focusing on that uh, Brooklyn and New Orleans Pelicans game, which is one where the Pelicans are favored to win by six on a 228.5 game total. But as far as purely uh, student guard position is concerned over here, we have Brandon Ingram, who is on an absolute hot streak at the moment, on the complete opposite spectrum to what Steph Curry's been doing over the last three games. On the other hand, Brandon Ingram has been averaging nearly 50 DK points for three straight games against some pretty uh, pretty solid oppositions as far as the uh, perimeter defense is concerned. So for him to uh, come up now against a Brooklyn team, which is actually a pretty favorable matchup as far as his position is concerned, should be a good opportunity for him to continue the uh, good work that he has done, having got a pretty decent amount of rest from uh, the uh, New Year's Eve game against the Lakers, where he had an absolute monster performance there as well. So for him, 8,100. The best thing that we've been seeing is that uh, all the worries that were there coming into the year about what his usage percentage looks like when Zion is in the floor with him, they have definitely found ways to be able to work much better with that. Ingram has been getting these shooting opportunities that we would hope that a player of his caliber should be getting. Anywhere between 18 to 20 field goal attempts should be the norm, and we should expect to see that here against Brooklyn as well, giving him that upside to potentially drop another uh, 50 DK point night for him as well. On the other side, I'd want to run it back with uh, with uh, Mikael Bridges, who's sitting at 7,200 over here. Obviously, his uh, game against Milwaukee, which was a bit of a uh, sadness for me, because I'd obviously put him up to have a good game there, only ended up playing 12 minutes in that one and then just sat it out, which was pretty unfortunate. But what we did see is over the last two games, he has uh, picked it up, even if his shooting hasn't necessarily been at the same mark that we'd be hoping for. Uh, against that OKC uh, team on New Year's Eve, he ended up dropping 44 DK points in that one, playing 37 minutes. And thankfully, in the last two games, he has played 36 and 37 minutes, respectively. So hopefully his minutes total is going to be around that even in this game over here. And again, going back to that Brooklyn and Pelicans matchup in general, uh, we're expecting it to be relatively close throughout, 
even though the Pelicans are favored to win by six, I expect Brooklyn, who's been uh, pretty pesky in general, even on those away games, whereas at, at home they've actually either won big or, or lost big. It's been kind of an interesting uh, dynamic over there. But as far as Mikael Bridges is concerned for him at 7,200, gives a lot of upside for what he can do as what should still be a, one of the top options for the Brooklyn Nets on an ongoing basis. And he's likely to see somewhere between uh, 16 to 17 shots alongside the fact that he has been a sneaky good rebounder this season as well, ending up often between six to seven on uh, on most of these uh, matchups where he ends up at 36 plus minutes. So really just comes back to minutes total for him. And I'm happy to be able to take him at uh, that price tag and try to unlock some of that upside. Um, moving on into the uh, small forward side of things, this is where we start to look at what potential opportunities there could be at the value end side of things. Now, one of the uh, big things that happened over the last uh, couple of games has been Chris Duarte, who has gotten the opportunity to be able to go ahead and start. He went into the starting lineup against the Memphis Grizzlies on that New Year's Eve game, and it's less about the fact that he's starting and more about the fact that he's getting a minutes total that would have you feel a little bit more potentially confident about him doing well as far as his price tag is concerned. Sitting at 4000 right now, he hasn't really had that big game as of yet, which is likely to keep his uh, his ownership levels down. But given how bad Kevin Herter has been over the last extended period now, Duarte has been rightfully given the opportunity to be a little bit more involved on the offensive end. And we've seen when he can get himself into a groove and also just get himself into a situation where he can find himself with some greater usage. We got to see that in Indiana when he was a rookie over there and also in little spurts here and there when he's gotten those spot starts. So I do like him in this matchup here, especially given the fact that they are against the Hornets, which I don't expect, to be honest, uh, it to be all that competitive. And Vegas seems to agree from that perspective as well. We're looking at a 15 and a half spread with the Kings as the favorites there on a 232 game total. So Duarte, for my mind, should be finding himself getting more involved in this uh, in this opportunity. And regardless of kind of where the score is sitting at. He should be able to see himself get that uh, 26 minutes on the floor and hopefully get a couple more shots going if some of the starters end up sitting on what could be a pretty uh, comfortable victory for the Kings going into that. Jumping back over to that uh, OKC game, though, where we uh, were looking at uh, Josh Giddy earlier, on the small forward side of things, I believe Jalen Williams continues to be a guy that I'm going to enjoy taking on a regular basis, just given the fact that he has a level of consistency that uh, we don't often see when it comes to uh, a lot of these wing players over here. You know, his offense continues to be efficient. He's never really going to be putting up you know, an absolute truckload of shots, not to say that he won't get 15 plus, which he has kind of throughout the season. But what we have seen is that the opportunities he does get, he's able to get himself into a position where he is making those opportunities count. And it's also leading into a little bit more ball handling capabilities for him. So as he's kind of trying to find those opportunities to be able to score efficiently, if that's not working out, he's looking to get the ball over to his teammates and try to find some open shots, which has resulted in some pretty decent assist totals over the last couple of games. In fact, really over the last... uh, over the last two, three, where we saw him get nine, five, and then consistently three and more as far as his assist totals are concerned. It really does help from a floor perspective for a guy who's sitting in that kind of 6,000 range. You want it to be a little bit more than just the fact that he'll probably get somewhere between 17 to 20 points. So you're hoping for uh, those assists to continue, his rebounding totals, which have also taken a slight uptick as they did in that Denver game. All of it just... uh, 
uh, pans out to be a pretty uh, pretty good opportunity to be able to go ahead and take that. And the fact that you haven't had to spend the big dollars to be able to go ahead and get uh, someone at the uh, small forward side does make that a little bit more uh, intriguing for me in general. And that uh, really just makes it a bit more interesting for me to be able to take some of these guys rather than some of the uh, top tier options that we're seeing in the uh, small forward side, which you know players like Jason Tatum, um, even though 9,800 isn't a bad price tag by any means, and he could very well do uh, you know 5x on that price, I'm not seeing that level of upside that I could potentially see with someone at 6,800 who will get the opportunity to be able to uh, put up big numbers in the minutes that he's guaranteed while having a much lower price tag to be able to go ahead and find a little bit of a price to performance value. Moving on onto the power forward side of things, and this is where I think I start to look at uh, a little bit more spending to be able to get uh, a little bit more potential performance out of here as well. And we're going to start, first of all, with the rookie. San Antonio Spurs taking on the Memphis Grizzlies, a 235 game total for this one. The Grizzlies favored to win by 11, but what we have seen is that uh, Victor Wembanyama has only been playing about uh, you know, 24, 25 minutes over the last couple of games, but there hasn't really been anything as far as a minutes restriction is concerned. So I think a lot of it just has to do with how competitive a game can potentially get. Now, I don't necessarily absolutely love that as far as the fact that his price tag is now at 8500 but it is below the 9000 levels it was hitting in November and December and for him it's all about uh, all about that upside that comes from the block side of things he has now put up a smashing total of 13 blocks in the last 3 games there and that has happened with him only playing 24 minutes on average in that so i expect that we start to see those minutes and kind of get back to normal there with the nothing else being told on our end you know, to potentially think otherwise, this is a pretty good matchup for him in a Memphis team that is continuously beleaguered as far as their front court is concerned. It's really just uh, Jaron Jackson and then a lot of spare parts to try and deal with it. So, you know, Wembenyama should find himself with a lot of opportunities to be able to take on mismatches and uh, get himself going as far as his uh, transition game and then a little bit of that uh, post game as well. So, for him, at that 8,500 mark, I think he has one of the opportunities to be able to drop 50-plus on a matchup that should be to his favor. So, let's see how that ends up going. And in that same mark, when we're talking about guys taking advantage of uh, certain opportunities there, uh, we're going to come back to that uh, Charlotte-Sacramento game, which, uh, unfortunately, with uh, with Charlotte continuing to deal with uh, the level of injuries that they have, uh, obviously, the mellow ball, ball continues to remain out. We have to still see whether Terry Rozier ends up taking the floor on this game here as well with his illness. But what we are seeing is uh, Miles Bridges at uh, 8,100, really continuing to uh, take advantage regardless of how a, a potential match is going because there's really not that many options for the Hornets to be able to put out there. So even though on New Year's Day, when they uh, faced uh, Denver, lost by 18 points on that one, we still saw Miles Bridges get an opportunity to play 36 minutes in that one, put up 47 DK points. So I don't expect too much to change as far as that Sacramento matchup is going to look like for him as well. And for him at 8,100 as the was a first option not only offensively but also as a rebounder and uh, there's just so many places that miles bridges is going to be required to be all over the floor really for them to have any sort of opportunity of keeping this game even somewhat close so lots of stat stuffing opportunities for him he's had uh, three games out of his last five where he's had 44 dk points or more which definitely gives you a little bit of comfort as far as this uh, price tag is concerned which is uh, unfortunately at uh, the highest level that it has been this season for him but 
really, he's been on a good enough streak to be able to earn that. It's in a good enough matchup for him to be able to, uh, once again, replicate what he has been doing over the last couple of games. And I, I do like uh, him for that price tag there. Now, going back uh, to that uh, San Antonio game one more time, though, if we're talking about uh, potential value, I'm going all the way down over to 4,100. Now, we know that uh, Zach Collins was diagnosed with his ankle injury and it looks like he's going to be out anywhere between uh, two to four weeks here. So what we have seen on the other hand is Sandro, and I I know I always mess up his last name, but it's uh, Mamukilashvili. I think I've got that right. He's uh, been the one who's gotten the opportunity to uh, get a couple more minutes in the front court, got himself uh, 20 minutes in that Boston game and ended up responding with uh, 22 DK points in that one. So 4,100 is definitely a good price tag for a guy who has the opportunity to space the floor as uh, one of those stretch bigs that they have while still being a pretty decent rebounder for a team that's going to need whatever help uh, they can give to uh, Wemby in the front court. It's likely going to be uh, another uh, 20 to 25 minute night for, uh, for Sandro over there. So he's going to be one of the uh, value picks that I'm looking at. And moving right on into the center, and this is where... You know, we finally get the man back after a week out with uh, a ankle injury that he had uh, that he picked up against the uh, Toronto Raptors. We have Joel Embiid, who's been told that he is uh, completely uh, good to go. There isn't really any uh, indication that he will be any sort of a uh, minutes restriction or anything like that. He got a solid week off. So Joel Embiid continues to be uh, on his absolute tear. And as we said, we hadn't seen a single game from him since November 15th, in which uh, he has been uh, below that uh, 60 DK point mark. So continues to absolutely crush it for his price tag, which uh, as long as it remains, in my opinion, below 12,000, I'm going to find a way to be able to get him into my lineup. So in that Chicago and Philly matchup, where we know that Chicago themselves are uh, dealing with uh, their own injuries. Vucevic is out. Zach Levine is out. It's really going to be Andre Drummond trying to go ahead and match up with Joel Embiid, which, you know, I don't consider myself a fortune teller, but I don't expect that to be a great matchup for him. We already saw it against a full-strength Chicago team in the middle of December, where he ended up dropping 71 DK points on them on a on route to a 40 and 14 night. So for Joel Embiid, who's getting back on the floor, he'll likely want to keep extending that 30-point streak that he's been on since November 10th. You know, no, no reason for him to not uh, be able to get that uh, once again over here. So as long as we're not hearing anything as far as injury restrictions or anything like that is concerned, which we haven't seen as of yet, he's definitely going to be my favorite guy to be able to take in general at the at the top tier end and be able to build around him with uh, some of these uh, mid-tier picks that we've looked at so far. And that'll probably be supplemented with uh, looking at the value side of things over here as well, which uh, jumping back into that uh, Brooklyn and New Orleans game, I'm looking at Larry Nance Jr. once again to uh, be able to uh, take advantage of his uh, new, well, I won't necessarily say newly found, but his healthy situation where he is now uh, in a pretty uh, good timeshare with uh, Valanciunas. Both of them are pretty much playing a uh, guaranteed 23 or 25 minutes each and kind of working off each other to be able to get that. And what that does allow is for Larry Nance, who we know has the ability to stuff stats in a quick time, really and doesn't need big minutes to be able to do that. His rebounding total are always good and he's always a, a sneaky good uh, stocks machine as far as his steals are concerned if less than that in blocks 
So what we have seen, last two games where he got himself back, played 25 and 23 minutes in those ones, ended up with 29 DK points in both both of those games, achieving one with a lot of steals, on the other hand, just having a good rebounding night over there. So even though he's never going to be a big offensive option as far as his pure point scoring is concerned, you do think that he'll have enough supporting stats from the rebounding, you know, sneaky assists, and a couple of steals to be able to get him to a pretty good value as far as his price tag is concerned. So as far as pure value is concerned, he's going to be uh, one of the guys that I'll be looking to pair alongside Embiid to be able to kind of take advantage of that while still having the uh, the salary capacity to be able to get Joel Embiid on my lineup. But that does bring us to the end of a nice quick run over those six games over there. Definitely reach me out on Twitter at HAK underscore devil. Tell me how your new year has been. Who are you looking at as far as this latest concern and whether you think Joel Embiid is going to continue that 30-point streak and and absolutely continue to crush his price tag as we have seen on a consistent basis since uh, he really got on the streak in November. But until then, I'll be catching you on uh, for the Wednesday one when I get on here with Ramiz. But good luck to everyone. Hope you all have a safe and prosperous 2024. And let's start by taking down some GPPs.